We're going to turn in your Bibles tonight to Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. <clears throat> to read at verse 16. Genesis 49, begin reading at verse 16. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse heels so that his rider shall fall backward. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we ask you to speak to our hearts from your word tonight. As we begin this new year, we pray that you would show us the things here that will help us to be a blessing to you and a blessing to our brothers and sisters in Christ in this coming year. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, as we come to the end of this first Sunday of 2024, while this year is still in its infancy, I guess we could say, we want to come back to our study of, to study of Israel's final words to his sons and think about his words to Dan because I believe there are critical things for us to consider here as we enter this new year. Dan was the first born son of the maids of Rachel and Leah. You remember that Leah bore Jacob four sons. Rachel had borne none. She was barren. And we read in Genesis chapter 30 that when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, she gave him Bilhah, Bila, her handmaid to wife. And the first son that was born to Jacob and Billa was Dan. And it was Rachel who named this fifth son of Jacob. And she gave him uh, his name because when he was born, Rachel said, God hath judged me and hath also heard my voice and hath given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. The name Dan means judging or a judge. And just as Jacob did with Judah and Zebulun, he begins the prophecy concerning Dan with the meaning of his name. The name Judah means praising. And Jacob begins his words to him by saying, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. The name Zebulun means dwelling, and Jacob begins his words to Zebulun by telling him where he's going to dwell. Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea. And he begins his words here in verse 16 to Dan by saying, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. And just as with his other sons that we have talked about, this prophecy of Israel came to pass. Because Dan did judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Turn over for just a minute to Judges chapter 13, if you will. 
Judges chapter 13. Judges chapter 13, and notice verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, notice that, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now look at verse 24. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtel. And we learn in chapter 16 and verse 31 that Samson of the tribe of Dan judged Israel for 20 years. Well, let's go back now to Genesis chapter 49 because this is an example of how Israel's prophecy concerning his son Dan came to pass exactly as he spoke it. Dan did indeed judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. But the key prophecy concerning Dan, the one that we really want to think about tonight, is here in verse 17. Dan shall be a serpent, by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse heels so that his rider shall fall backward. Now the language that Israel uses here concerning his sons Issachar and his son Dan is not only interesting, but it's also convicting. In our last message from Genesis 49, I think it was about a month ago, we talked about Issachar. And we looked at verse 14 where Jacob called Issachar a strong ass. And we spent some time looking at the symbolism of the ass in the Bible. And we saw that an ass is a symbol of rebellious mankind. It's one of the things that an ass symbolizes. In Job 11 and verse 12, we read that man is born like a wild ass's colt. You and I are born into the world this way. We're born into this world with a wild and stubborn nature that cannot be tamed, that cannot be controlled that cannot be governed. We don't fear God. We're not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. That's how uncontrollable that we are. And we saw in Exodus chapter 13 and verse 13 that the firstling of an ass had to be redeemed with a lamb. Otherwise, the ass's neck had to be broken. And the good news... In fact, it is the good news of the message of Christmas is that redemption has been provided by the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. When he came into the world to take our sin and rebellion upon himself on the cross of Calvary, where his body was broken so that our necks do not have to be broken. 
And because of his finished work on the cross, every wild ass is caught. Every sinner who will humble themselves and repent of their sin and come to the Lord Jesus with a broken spirit, with a broken and contrite heart, can be saved. And when that happens, we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But then we learn something. Even after we're saved, we still have this old nature. That's why we are still referred to as an ass. The ass that was redeemed by the sacrifice of a lamb was still an ass. And it's like that because salvation does not change our nature. That's the message. Our nature will never change. After we're saved, we still have this old nature that is stubborn, that cannot be controlled, that cannot be governed. We still have this nature that refuses to bow to the word and to the will of God. And so we have this picture in the Bible, this picture of an ass, a wild and unbroken ass is a picture of those who are lost. A redeemed ass, a broken ass is a picture of those who are saved. We see these things in Issachar. And then we come to Dan. And we read of him in verse 17, Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse heels so that his rider shall fall backward. Here in Jacob's son Dan, we learn exactly where this stubborn and rebellious and uncontrollable nature comes from it comes from that old serpent called the devil and satan in john chapter 8 and verse 44 the lord jesus said of every person who has ever been born ye are of your father the devil we have the very same nature as the serpent we have the, the very same nature as the devil himself and there's a verse that gives us conclusive proof of that. When the Lord Jesus began to show his disciples that he, was, he, that he must go to Jerusalem, and he was going to suffer many things there of the chief priests and the scribes, and that he was going to be killed and be raised again the third day, or day Peter took the Lord. I take that to mean that he, he maybe took him by the shoulders or the arms. And he began to rebuke him. And Peter said to Jesus, be it far from thee. This shall not be unto thee. And Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 23. That the Lord Jesus turned and said unto Peter get thee behind me Satan that wording is so critical for us to hear we're told concerning the word of God that we're to be careful how we hear and we need to hear those words very carefully the Lord Jesus did not turn and say get thee behind me Satan he didn't say that 
he said unto Peter, Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. At that moment, as Peter spoke in the energy of his flesh, there was absolutely no difference between Peter and Satan. Peter's words spoken in the flesh, Peter's words coming forth from a nature that hates God, a nature that hates the cross, because the cross condemns us. It condemns all that we are. And in that moment, as Peter was savoring the things that be of men and not the things of God, he was manifesting this nature that is the very nature of the serpent. And we're just like Peter. We are living, we have living in us the very nature of the serpent. This is one of the lessons that Israel's words are teaching here. Issachar is a strong ass. We have a nature that is rebellious and stubborn and that cannot be governed or controlled. We're just like Issachar. Dan shall be a serpent by the way. And that ungovernable, stubborn, and rebellious nature in us that is not subject to the law of God is the very nature of the serpent. So not only are we just like Issachar, we're just like Dan. Issachar and Dan, the ass and the serpent, what we are by nature. But there's something else that we want to see concerning Dan here. In verse 16, we see that he shall judge his people. He shall judge his people. A judge is a man who is supposed to govern. A judge is a man who is supposed to be a leader of his people. But what we see here is instead of governing and leading, Dan is a serpent, by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse heals so that his rider shall fall backward. Israel's prophecy is that instead of leading the people of Israel, Dan would be a hindrance to them. He would be a stumbling block to them. Instead of leading the people of Israel, Dan would cause them to fall. And that is exactly what happened. Turn back again to the book of Judges. Should have told you to, to keep your finger there, but look at Judges chapter 18. Judges chapter 18. This portion of scripture is familiar to many of you who have heard Paris Reedhead's message, 10 shekels and a shirt, because these verses are part of the text for that message. We want to read a couple of verses here that relate to the tribe of Dan. Look at, ver look at verse 1. In those days there was no king in Israel. And in those days the tribe of the Danites sought them an inheritance to dwell in. 
For unto that day all their inheritance had not fallen unto them among the tribes of Israel. And the children of Dan sent of their family, just notice those words and, and underscore them in your minds, sent of their family five men from their coasts, men of valor from Zorah and from Eshdael, to spy out the land and to search it. And they said unto them, Go search the land. Who when they came to Mount Ephraim to the house of Micah, they lodged there. Now look at verse 17. And the five men that went to spy out the land, these five men of the children of Dan, went up and came in thither and took the graven image and the ephod and the teraphim and the molten image And the priest stood in the entering of the gate with the 600 men that were appointed with weapons of war. And these went into Micah's house and fetched the carved image, the ephod and the teraphim and the molten image. Then said the priest unto them, What do ye? And they said unto him, Hold thy peace, lay thine hand upon thy mouth, and go with us, and be to us a father and a priest, It is better for thee to be a priest under the house of one man. Or is it better for thee to be a priest under the house of one man? Or that thou be a priest unto a tribe and a family in Israel? That family is Dan. Now finally look at verse 30. And the children of Dan set up the graven image. And Jonathan the son of Gershom the son of Manasseh. He and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. And they set them up Micah's graven image which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. Here in this chapter we see Dan establishing idolatry in the nation of Israel even though the house of God was in Shiloh. And we use that word establishing because the the final words of verse 30 tell us. He and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. That means that until the time that the northern ten tribes were taken into captivity by the Assyrians. That means that the idolatry that we're reading about here that Dan established lasted for nearly 700 years. The tribe of Dan established an alternative to the worship of Jehovah, an alternative that contained elements of truth. They had an ephod. They had the outward trappings They had a priest. They knew the language of the God of Israel. But what they were putting forth was another Jesus and another spirit and another gospel. Dan became exactly what Jacob prophesied. A serpent by the way. An adder in the path that biteth the horse heels so that his rider shall fall backward. And Israel indeed fell backward. God called Abraham out of idolatry in Ur of the Chaldees. He brought Abraham out of that. 
And through Abraham, he established the nation of Israel. And here is Israel. Because of Dan being a serpent by the way and an adder in the path, falling back into idolatry. Turn over to 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12. We're going to read about Jeroboam here. 1 Kings chapter 12, and let's read it verse 25. Then Jeroboam built Shechem and Mount Ephraim and dwelt therein, and went out from thence and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Notice verse 29. And he set the one in Bethel, and the other put he in Dan. And this thing became a sin. Which one did the people go to? For the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. Jeroboam set up two images, one in Bethel, the other in Dan. But where was it that the people went to worship? They went to Dan. And why did they go to Dan? Because that is where the, the, this alternative to the truth, that's where this alternative to the true worship of Jehovah had been established 430 years earlier. And it's interesting that all of Jeroboam's efforts centered in Bethel. He had to work and get things going there because Dan was already established in idolatry. Folks, Israel's prophecy concerning his son came to pass exactly as he said in Genesis 49 and verse 17. Let's go back there and read it again. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse heels so that his rider shall fall backward. And the thing that makes those words in verse 17 so sad and makes them so tragic is that 16th verse. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. But this one who was to govern, this one who was to lead, became a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that caused the people to fall. This one who was to lead in the way of truth and righteousness as a judge led the people of Israel astray. And folks, the spirit of Dan is alive and well today. Alive and well today among the people of God. That's who we're reading about here, Jacob's sons. The children of Israel, the people of God. 
The spirit of Dan is alive today among the people of God. Pastors and churches and ministries that are supposed to be leading people, that are supposed to be teaching people in the way of truth. Pastors and churches and ministries that have become a serpent, by the way, an adder in the path, that are biting the horse heels and causing the people of God to fall backward from standing fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free And the result is they're falling backward and being entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I'll give you an example. A couple of months ago, in our messages from Galatians 5.1 and John 8.32, we talked about how this nation has not continued in the word of God. This nation has not continued in the King James Bible. And we talked about how the blame for that lies at the feet of the churches of this nation. And not just at the feet of the mainline denominations. It lies in particular at the feet of churches that believe and preach the gospel. Churches that, 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 that claim to believe and stand for the fundamentals of the faith. We talked about Brian Sams, the pastor of River City Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. And you remember that we talked about how Pastor Sams came to the conclusion that modern versions of the Bible, like the New King James Bible and the New American Standard Version and the English Standard Version, he came to the conclusion, the conviction, he said, that those versions of the Bible are superior to the King James. And so he transitioned his family and his church away from the King James Bible to these modern versions. And his ministry now is not only to pastor River City Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. His ministry is beyond that church. His ministry is to teach other pastors how to transition their churches away from the Word of God, the King James Bible, to the heresy of these other versions. Folks, that is the spirit of Dan. A man who is supposed to be a judge. A man who is supposed to be a spiritual leader. But instead of leading the people of God, he's become a hindrance and a stumbling block to them. Pastor Sams and others who have adopted his philosophy and bought into his, his ideas, they've become an adder in the path. A serpent, by the way, that that biteth the horse heels so that his rider shall fall backward. And many, many churches are falling backward. They're going backward from standing for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Falling backward from standing fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And now they're entangled again in the yoke 
of bondage of these other versions. That is an application of these words of Israel to his son Dan, an application that applies to the church of Jesus Christ. But I want us to think about a personal application of these verses for just a minute. And we want to think about it, this personal message, in the context of the new year and how we're going to live in 2024. If you want to think of it in, in terms of what the world calls making New Year's resolutions, then that's fine. The question is, who is going to characterize our life this year? Who's going to characterize our life? Issachar the ass? Dan the serpent? If they characterize our life, then we're going to live like Reuben in verse 4. We're going to be unstable as water. If Issachar the ass and Dan the serpent characterize our life, then we're going to live like Simeon and Levi. In verse 5, we read that Simeon and Levi each had instruments of cruelty in their habitations. When I read that, I am convicted about an instrument of cruelty in my habitation. And that instrument of cruelty is my tongue. You have the same instrument of cruelty in your habitation. James tells us about our tongue in James chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. James says of our tongue that the tongue is a fire and it is set on fire of hell. That brings the serpent into view, doesn't it? It brings Dan into view. It brings you and me into view. It brings this instrument of cruelty that is in our habitation. It brings our tongue into view. And what was it that Dan did? Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse heels so that his rider shall fall backward. I want you to think about something. In order for Dan to bite the heels of the horse, he had to open his mouth. He had to open his mouth. And that's when the hiss of the serpent would be heard. And that's when the horse's rider would fall backward. The same is true of you and me. And you know what can happen when a rider falls backward off his horse? The rider can be killed. And what can cause a rider to fall backward off his horse? Dan can do that. Dan can do it. As a serpent, by the way, as an adder in the path, flicking out his tongue, opening his mouth, and biting the horse's heel. One of the things that horses symbolize in the Bible 
is war. War. And the white horse speaks to us of successful power in war. And that's demonstrated for us in Revelation chapter 19, where we read how the Lord Jesus is going to come one day on a white horse. And the Bible tells us there that in righteousness he doth judge and make war. And not only is the Lord Jesus going to come, verse 14 says the armies which were in heaven, that's you and me if we're saved. I guess that'll be the first time I ever rode a horse. I, I got on one when I was about six years old at a, a little county sort of a fair thing at the school where we lived, a little town of Great Falls, South Carolina. And I didn't realize how tall horses were until you get up there and sit on that horse. I felt like I was 40 feet in the air. I've never been on a horse since. But I'm going to be on one that day. The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. Followed him upon white horses. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Revelation 19 is telling us about the battle that will take place at the end of the tribulation with the devil and the powers of darkness. The battle against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And the world will be dark under the rule of the Antichrist. And the result of that battle is that the beast and the false prophet are cast into the lake of fire and Satan is going to be bound for a thousand years. But I'd like to make an application of that future battle to this present time. Folks, are we not in a battle right now against the devil? Are we not in a battle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places? And our leader now, just as he will be in that day, is the one who is called faithful and true. The one whose name is called the Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our leader. We're to follow him into the battle now, just as we will then. He's on a white horse, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. And he has equipped us for this battle with that same sharp sword. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that is quick and powerful. For the spiritual warfare of this day, he's made available to us the whole armor of God. And the Lord has placed us on a white horse. And we're going into battle on the white horse of dependence on him. The white horse of confidence in him. The white horse of his all-sufficiency to meet every need. To, to, to minister in every aspect to us of the battle that we're in. Now armies, physical armies today, don't fight on horses anymore. But in the day when armies did, 
One of the most dangerous things that could happen is for a soldier to fall from his horse. A soldier who was unhorsed was easy prey for the enemy, and so that was the purpose of the enemy, to unhorse as many soldiers as they could. This is the picture that comes to mind when I read verse 17. The picture of a great battle that we're involved in. And the tragedy is that it's not the enemy here that causes the rider to fall backward off his horse. It's Dan. It's one of the children of Israel. It's one of the people of God. Folks, in the battles of the Christian life, many times, Christians are not unhorsed by the enemy. They're unhorsed by Dan. They're unhorsed by their fellow believers who in the energy of the flesh are like a serpent by the way, an adder by the path. And they flick out their tongue and they open their mouths and they spew out words that bite at the horse's heels and cause the rider to fall backward. That's why Proverbs 18 and verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So many times believers are unhorsed in the midst of the warfare because of words that are spoken or words that are written on social media, for example. Words that are critical, words that are unkind, that like a serpent by the way, an adder by the path, cause a fellow believer to fall backward, and those words injure or even put to death that believer's testimony, that believer's influence for the Lord. Paul wrote some very critical words in 1 Thessalonians 5.12. He told those believers, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you. That's every believer in this church. Every believer in this church has a ministry for the Lord in which they're to labor for him here in this place. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, we are laborers together with God. What an amazing thing that is he says we beseech you brethren to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you that's the elders and deacons the leadership of the church and then in verse 13 Paul says of both groups our fellow believers those who are in leadership to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake not for their personality's sake or lack of personality. Not because they like us. Not because they make us feel good. Not because they rub us the right way or the wrong way. We're to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. 
There's not a believer in this church that we cannot esteem very highly in love for their work's sake. And the Lord Jesus tells us how critical that is. John 13 and verse 35, he said, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. And so the question tonight as we begin 2024 is this. Who's going to characterize our lives as believers this year? Who are we going to live like? Are we going to live like Reuben and be unstable as water? Are we going to live like Simeon and Levi and allow our tongue to be an instrument of cruelty in our habitation? Are we going to live like Issachar the ass or Dan the serpent? Now I'll give you the bad news that you already know. These men represent all that we are. They represent the direction in which we are already bent by nature every moment of every day. That's the bad news. So the only way not to live like them is to put them to death every moment of every day. That way we can be like Asher in verse 20. Our bread shall be fat and we shall yield royal dainties. We can be like Naphtali in verse 21 and give goodly words. We can be like Joseph in verse 22 and be a fruitful bough so that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh in this coming year. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that we would hear it carefully tonight. We pray that each one of us, beginning here behind this pulpit, would see tonight that the message is for me. It's not for the people out there. It's for me. It's not for the people sitting next to us or behind us or beside us or wherever. It's for me. We pray that we would hear carefully tonight and live in the light of your word that we might be a blessing to you in this coming year. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.